Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, the Wednesday night edition of The Sea Report. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis. Welcome to the show. Oh, look at what I have done here. Do you see? Do you guys see what I have done here? Who catches it? Who can catch it first of all of the uh, citizens of the internet and beyond that are watching this show here and now? Had a lot of stuff going on in between the shows today, but uh, good productive stuff. Good productive stuff indeed, ladies and gentlemen. As uh, I was preparing tonight's report, let's see. We'll get this fixed up right away. Can't allow it to remain, ladies and gentlemen. This is, after all, the C report, not Lone Star News. Okay, so uh, hopefully a switchover will. There we go. I was like, hopefully a switchover will happen in the next few seconds, and I can get that done. All right. All right. The uh, the uh, tales of the one man band live stream production crew. Uh, they will always remain fruitful, and uh, they will never get tiresome. All right, guys. Uh, good, good show. Good report ahead of us tonight. Uh, got a couple of treats in store for you. A couple of promised items from uh, yesterday's report that I wanted to uh, follow up on with you all with, and I just need to get my eyes on the audience. Because uh, we are live right now, of course, on the foxhole.app and pill.net, as well as Odyssey, Rumble, Trovo, Twitch, and Clout Hub, and DLive. Uh, if you're joining us live, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, welcome to Mr. CTV. That is the uh, channel you are currently watching. And this is the C Report. It is a Monday through Friday America First news show at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so you're more than welcome to follow and subscribe. Check out what we have to offer. Uh, several broadcasts come out here at Mr. CTV. This is just one of them. And uh, we got some more stuff coming up. Um, we'll be running another broadcast on Mr. CTV's Rumble channel tonight. And that is um, uh, the Speak Uneasy's This Is News, which is... Um, it's a new show that has um, a bit more levity to it than, you know, what the headlines would suggest we vibe with. You know what I mean? So we just have a, a good old time there. And we, we do review headlines. Granted, it is still, you know, current events and news affairs. But, eh, you know, they're, they're those interesting headlines. The kind of headlines that are kind of like, I can't believe that this is actually in the news. It's like I remarked to the bartender. He's not, his name is not really the bartender. His name is the speak uneasy, but that is the name of the channel. <laughs> and uh, all of his, um, all of his patrons lovingly refer to him as the bartender because it's a, it's a lounge type of setup over there. See, that's what I mean. Like we get to decompress, right? I get to hang out behind a virtual bar, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, try and behave myself as well as possible whilst moonlighting as someone who pretends to know something about something. <laughs> uh, it's a good time. So if you guys don't got nothing going on after the sea report ends tonight at 9.30 and you haven't had enough of uh, this voice or this face, <laughs> Hop on over to the Speak Uneasy's channel over at pill.net and the foxhole.app. And also available, I think, at twitch.tv. 
And sometimes he's on YouTube, sometimes he's on Twitter, sometimes he's on Facebook, but you know, it varies, I guess, depending on um, what news stories we'll be talking about, you know, that whole um, censorship risk, you know? And uh, so, yeah, so that's what's going to happen there tonight at 10 p.m. Central Time. So Wednesday's my busy day, guys. I had Lone Star News before this broadcast at 3 p.m. Central. Had a great show, I thought, you know, kind of finally laying into some of the, the underbelly or, you know, that, uh, that dark underbelly that is uh, the corrupt San Antonio uh, government, local political government scene. So uh, and judicial as well, actually. Uh, no, we, we, I touched on most of that, a lot of, not, not all of it by, by any means. I mean, when you're talking about judges and commissioners who have been in office for decades, no joke, decades, you know, my, my current, uh, precinct commissioner, uh, was put in that spot, was actually appointed. My, my current Democrat precinct commissioner was appointed by an old establishment rhino, probably worse than rhino. Like I wouldn't, you know, guys, like I don't normally go, go in. Well, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I, maybe that's not a hundred percent true. I was gonna say, I don't normally go in way hard on people when they're doing things like Wolf and other people. But anyways, uh, Judge Nelson Wolf of San Antonio, Bear County judge, previous mayor of San Antonio, I believe in the nineties, right? So San Antonio is judge nelson wolf's turf ladies and gentlemen it's his turf okay this is his town all right anyways i i would assume that he's done just i don't know you know i just get the heebie-jeebies when i look at that person you know when you look at someone and you just get this uh kind of like vibe from them and you just know that there's something in that closet of theirs somewhere and you really don't want to know what it is you know so anyways, uh, talked about that. And the reason why that came up is because uh, my precinct commissioner was placed there when uh, the previous commissioner passed away at the age of 83. After serving uh, as a county commissioner in Bear County, Texas, for over 30 years. Now, I'm willing to bet that if you all agree that there should be term limits on politicians, so they can no longer be, you know, um, uh, career politicians and they can no longer launch their career in doing nothing for the American people. You know, I, I would I would hold that everyone, every single elected office should have a term limit. OK, no one, no single office should be allowed to be occupied by a single individual for no more than X amount of years, whatever it is determined to be, you know, there has to be a happy medium somewhere in there where the person who's in office, if they are corrupt, can't set up enough things in the future to benefit them or maybe obstruct enough things in the past. You know, that's kind of why this four year thing with President Trump and President Select Biden happened the way it did. Think about it. If President Trump had stayed in no, 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 no. Let's 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 make this a more crystal clear um, analogy. At the conclusion of every presidential um, run that you can think of in recent history, take the last twenty or thirty years, for example. Right? Take the last thirty years. You know, we had almost a decade of Obama, 
almost a decade of um, Bush and almost a decade of Clinton. Three decades, guys. Three decades. And by the end of their time in office, whether they did good or bad, and in, in the case of everyone prior to Donald Trump in at least those relevant examples, let's go, let's go four decades, right? Let's, in, let's include um, uh, Herbert Walker in the equation, okay? Like, um, none of them have done as exceptional or valiant a job as President Trump has done. And, and both, or all, all parties listed, you know, um, received complaints or, you know, uh, received um, uh, allegations of such things, you know. Well, we know Obama committed treason for sure, okay? I mean, he authorized everything under the sun against President Trump while he was still president and they were still uh, trying to map out Hillary's conquest of the um, of the truth that was going to come out and ruin her campaign on the, uh, the the emails scandal and also on Uranium One. OK, that's where all this projection and misdirection and smoke and mirrors comes from. The smoke and mirrors is the projection part. Uh, or sorry, the mirrors is the projection part. The smoke is the misinformation. Anyways, where did I hear that from? I don't know if I heard that from Greg Phillips or some, from some other guy that was talking about um, uh, about uh, misinformation in, in the media and stuff like that. But anyways, um, so President, President Trump's done the, the best job hands down, I think, you know, and, and that's not even being like a Trump fanboy. You know, I mean, I know we feature Trump um, statements here, but that's because you need to hear the words of your president. And I will reiterate as the election fraud mounts and as it stacks higher and higher on the table. OK, and if you if you don't have one iota of an idea about what fraud I'm talking about, then uh, I don't know what conversations you might have been listening to. Okay. Clearly you haven't been watching the C report, uh, you know, or, or perhaps any other um, independent alternative type of news shows that actually feature election information. You know, it's prominent here because that's why I even started doing this show. Okay. Because it was gonna, it was gonna take until like I don't know the midterms for any shows to really start talking about election fraud. I mean, I, I'm being stupid. I mean, I know a lot of them were talking about it during the Maricopa County, you know, forensic audit, but that thing was on high blast production. You know, that thing was on a high blast production, and a lot of the uh, alternative outlets that were really emphasizing it. Um, well, they did pretty thorough coverage and, uh, you know, we're grateful for that. But, uh, you know, when we're talking about other, you know, you know, Colorado almost slipped through our fingers if it hadn't been for Mike Lindell. In fact, if it hadn't been for Mike Lindell and Frank Speech, you know, a lot of the stories of the election fraud that occurred in 2020 and in 2021 and in 2022 uh, would not be so well documented. But, you know, even then, there's still more out there that not even not even the election ar archivists over at Frank Speech have been able to wrangle everything. You know, there's just far too much of it, you know, and sometimes they're in small towns and cities or counties where, you know, we we never even hear about it on the national on the national scene. And then um, the local press will be busy 
of course, covering up the tracks of the theft, um, promoting or projecting their sins onto their political enemies or just their enemies, period. And, uh, and we get this whole, um, you know, quagmire uh, that everyone is set in as far as, um, as far as whether or not uh, anything will come out of all of this, you know, uh, anything will come out of all this. So um, it, it'll be a very interesting conversation, I think, to have, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I know I myself am a it'll, – it'll be interesting to send that – I've never sent a letter to my county precinct commissioner. You know, like that's that's part of what the whole process is about over at, you know, um, the uh, Texas commissioner county commissioner's write-in that I'm hosting over at pill.net. And, um, you know, I know, I know a name or a title like the Texas commission county commissioners write in is very specific, but it's going to be much more than that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be beyond just the county commissioners. Uh, but eh, the title had a ring to it and, uh, we will be addressing them regarding the border invasion. So I figured why not just call it that. And, uh, that, that way we can at least get it started. It's, it's a community thing, guys. It's all about. Uh, forming community and having fun while performing our civic duties of self-governance and self-preservation, self-determination, all of those beautiful gifts that were bestowed upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Why take it for granted? I mean, come on, jump on the wave when uh, elections, the topic of elections, election security, running elections, working elections, doing anything with elections is becoming kind of sexy. Right. Not when I say it like that, but, you know, <laughs> and now and now the uh, now the uh, podcast audience at Spotify will be able to see that face. Anyways, guys, oh, you know what else I was going to do? I'm already going on long. We're already 20 minutes into the show. Uh, let me jump into uh, the chat and see if there is anything going on. Over at the old foxhole. What's going on, Casual GG17? Good to see you, ma'am. Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. And um, Fred from New York, thanks for thought-provoking shows. Oh, you're welcome, sir. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for saying that. You know, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, I know my thoughts sometimes stray away from the current, you know. Um, I guess, popular thoughts on any given subject. You know, I'm not, well, I'm not totally objectionable to everything that's popular, ladies and gentlemen. But um, what I am saying is it's it, it, it boils down to gut feeling, research, discernment. Um, you know, it, it's like what I did with uh, the Epoch Times, uh, was it yesterday, right? When we were doing the uh, Brad Raffensperger story. And uh, it's just because it's vital to have correct information and it's vital, you know, that, uh, well, again, I'm not, I'm not knocking Epoch Times. I could never knock Epoch Times. Look at me. You know, I, I live stream out of a loft. Okay. So <laughs> let's get real, right? I'm just being real with you guys. You know, do you want me to turn off, do you want me to turn off this inexpensive fake green screen that's behind me? <laughs> Sorry, guys, just a moment. I accidentally unplugged my mic. I guess I was getting too excited. There we go. We are back, y'all. We are back. 
Okay, well, I'll be back in a minute. My my uh, picture will return in a minute, guys, I promise. There we go. Maybe. All right, perfect. See, now the podcasters over at Spotify can also see all of the technical difficulties that occur here sometimes. But case in point, could never, ever hold anything at this point in this operation to, no, probably literally not, you know, I mean, it would be interesting to be a, uh, I don't know, like a newsroom editor or uh, editor-in-chief or something like that. That would be interesting, you know, you know. I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, some people would probably uh, hear this and be like, pishaw, whatever, Mr. C. But like, even like, I think it was Project Veritas. I think it was Project Veritas. They had um, a job opening for like a newsroom media manager, you know, kind of like, it wasn't, I don't think it was an executive position, but it was like a manager's position where, you know, you basically, uh, you um, recommend the stories uh, that you're going to be running. Uh, you know, they're looking for people who are ahead of the current trends. In other words, they're reporting the stories that uh, people report on like days or weeks later, you know, months later, years later. Um, and what, what else would they be doing? Uh, they would be uh, ensuring that all the information included in the stories was accurate and fact check. So in the case of the Epoch Times, well, I would have been doing my job as a <laughs> newsroom uh, executive editor or whatever it was. I forget what the name of the uh, of the uh, position was, but I was like, "Ooh, I could do that until until I read the line that said must have 20 years of actual physical newsroom experience." And I was like, "Huh. Does like 500 plus uh, live streaming episodes count for anything?" <laughs> Anyways, guys, anyways, you know, the stories I share here at the Sea Report and on any uh, broadcast that I do only live as long as the people who hear them will share them, honestly. I mean, that's the way it goes for any type of uh, knowledge tradition, you know, uh, which is why I think people will regret things like, you know, digital uh, um, media uh, and regret getting rid of the book, you know, should, you know, something ever happen that wipes out all of the digital media content in the world, ladies and gentlemen, and then all of the C reports will be gone. But ladies and gentlemen, they've all been backed up on compact discs. So there, <laughs> all 376 of them. So come and get me EMP, come and get me. <laughs> Actually, I think EMPs ruin, ruin CD discs, uh, CD-ROMs also, don't they? I'm not sure. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. Anyways, guys. Okay, so uh, let's see here. We did have some Trump statements. And uh, well, by gosh and by golly, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like I've done it again. And uh, I had my, um, uh, how you say, I had my extended intro on. Now I'm keeping you guys in mind. I promise I'm keeping you guys in mind. Uh, I, know, I know my intro uh, that is uh, borrowed uh, from, I, I don't even know who the creator of that intro is. It wasn't listed um, on the uh, website. I found it. It just said patriotic uh, countdown. So I was like, awesome. And it was like from some like factory. Uh, I don't know what the page was. But anyhow, I know it's not as exciting as some five minute intros from other shows. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm keeping that in mind, guys, because, you know, uh, beforehand, I was basically um, editing that five-minute countdown out of the podcast version because it does the podcast version no good to hear that song for like five minutes, you know? 
I mean, for the podcast version, you probably want like a one minute to two minute max intro, you know, and try and make it interesting at that, you know. Anyhow, uh, but since uh, we went to live streaming on Spotify also, I'm kind of letting that sink in a little bit, but I'll, I'll try and keep that in mind for you guys because I know you can only read those same quotes over so many times before you feel like um, a member of the uh, original United States Congress yourself, right? <laughs> okay, what am I doing here? I am looking for truth social so we can get to President Trump's statements for this evening. There we go there. There's President Trump on the screen. All right, and let me go ahead and get truth social on the screen. Let's get uh, President Trump's account up. So again, you know, normally what I'll do here, guys, is uh, where Truth Social is concerned, I'll call, I will call the, um, I will call the uh, statements I want from him, and then uh, I will, uh, you know, dress them up and get them ready for the report. Uh, but occasionally we will just do it straight off of the website. Ooh, a Hannity interview. <laughs> oh, it's tonight at. Oh, do you guys want to see the interview? <laughs> Sean Joe, what do you say? That's gonna that's gonna knock the entire show, guys. <laughs> Just so y'all know. <laughs> oh, it's like almost a sign, right? I'll have to find the station it's on. Uh, let's see here. If we if we do that, uh, Letitia James, because Letitia James is back in the news. In fact, this looks weird to me. It looks like intergalactic satanic or something like that. Anyways. Um, President Trump released uh, several statements regarding Letitia James. We'll start with the most recent and we will take it to uh, uh, the most uh, current read through. First statement here goes, ladies and gentlemen, from President Trump. The New York Times, her peekaboo James, oh, well, the New York Times said this, her peekaboo James case against him could be difficult to prove. Property valuations are often subjective and the financial statements include a very strong disclaimer. Thank you. So uh, it seems that some things are starting to be debunked in the case of Letitia James. And her, uh, I don't know if this is her final assault and witch hunt against President Trump, but man, it was probably one of her most... Um, full on assaults. Like she was going for blood with this one for sure, you know? Uh, and I, I believe she believed that she had it in the bag, but she never would have. She never would have had it in the bag. Next statement for President Trump says, uh, Attorney General Letitia Peekaboo James, a total crime fighting disaster in New York is spending all of her time fighting for very powerful and well-represented banks and insurance companies who were fully paid made a lot of money, and never had a complaint about me. Instead of fighting murder and violent crime, which is killing New York State. She is a failed attorney general whose lack of talent in the fight against crime is causing record numbers of people and companies to flee New York. Bye-bye. All right. So uh, President Trump is going to take it to the jugular as well. 
Peekaboo! I missed something there, guys. So maybe he'll explain it here. Let's see. Let's see. Does he explain it here? I missed an article. Did I miss an interview or something? Another witch hunt by a racist attorney general. Letitia James, who failed in her run for governor, getting almost zero support from the public and now is doing poorly against law and order AG candidate, highly respected Michael Henry. I never thought this case would be brought until I saw her really bad poll numbers. She is a fraud who campaigned on a get Trump platform, despite the fact that the city is one of the crime and murder disasters of the world under her watch. Taking it to Letitia James. You know, Oh, only in the world of the Democrat can you actually run a campaign on destroying a political opponent or some kind of initiative as such. Okay, I think we only have two more statements from President Trump. We'll start with this one and then we'll go to that one. President Trump says, remember... Just two years ago, we had the strongest and best southern border in United States history. They were not coming up and through because they knew that it was going to be very hard to come in and stay in. That's the best border policy of them all by far. I built the wall and then added more. Remain in Mexico, we said. It all worked. Uh, let me tell you about that border invasion, guys. Let me tell you about that border invasion. Let me tell you about that border invasion. Okay, I could probably do this real quick. You know, I mean, because that's that's one of the things that we are talking about uh, on the Lone Star News side of things most recently. But when you when you realistically take a look at some of the photographs that we are getting from the border. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it, it, it causes one bafflement. It causes me bafflement, honestly, that they are just allowing, like, we're talking like hundreds, thousands, it seems like, at a time of people just coming on in over the border like nothing. And, you know, and then, of course, in some instances, we have what? We have, uh, we have, uh, internationals that have no adjacency to any country in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> and that's a problem, okay? That is a problem. They're not even in the Western Hemisphere, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is ridiculous. You know, but that it is literally an invasion, guys. I mean, I know, I know... I know you all agree with that and you can see that and, and you know, maybe there will be some people and, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be nice and say it's not to their blame, but there will be some people, of course, that'll be, I never heard about this. What are you talking about? What, what did, uh, what did Biden have to do with allowing all these immigrants here? I thought that we were just, um, all hippies or something. I don't know. So where are these videos opening? Are these pictures?
my border invasion. Open a new tab. It's not working. Why not? Is this it? Oh, I found it. Okay. It was right in front of me. So uh, let's see. Uh, you can take a look at like a photo like this and let me uh, make sure that's nice and expanded for you guys so you can see it. Very, oh, it's a terrible photo here. Whoops, wrong one. There we go. That's more like it. Now, I am not being racist by any means, but if you look at this photograph from the Rio Grande River, I don't see one Mexican. Now, these might be Haitians. These might be Jamaicans. These might even be Belizeans. But they are not your everyday Mexican, ladies and gentlemen. They are not your everyday breakfast taco. <laughs> hey, Philly Q, how are you doing tonight? Good evening. Good to see you, sweetie. Glad to have you in the audience. Hey, Aurelius Locke. Good evening, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So literally a border invasion, right? Okay. Um, the, uh, I guess the headline on this uh, photograph is declare declaration of invasion, right? Um, let's see here. This photograph, I think, was taken by Breitbart or Just the News, if I'm not mistaken. And again, guys, I'm just saying, I don't see any Mexicans, okay? I don't see any Latinos. I don't even see any Latin Xs. And, you know, that is a very rare breed of imagination creature. I'm just saying, guys, you know, so like I said, we have people coming across the border into this nation that are not even adjacent to any Latin countries. Big problem. And uh, I mean, there there are so many more of these photos, you know, out there, guys. Um, it's it's a. Uh, it gave me a thought. Here we go. This is what I'm looking for, guys. Here we go. This is what I am looking for, okay? Because as I was getting Lone Star News ready today uh, to talk about the border invasion and all of these people coming across the border, look at this. This goes down this thoroughfare for as far as my eyes can see in this photograph, okay? This is what, one of the caravans, right? Now, uh, in more recent times, caravans have not been as successful at getting across the border. You know, they try punching through the border and stuff like that, but uh, they have not been as successful as they had been initially. Look, this is an article from the New American. Americans clueless about border invasion illegals dumped into the what? Into the heartland. So there, bam, there's your border invasion. Now, this idea struck me today as I was preparing the Lone Star News episode about images like this, images of the invasion on America. And you know what? This funny, I mean, maybe it's not so funny, but at the moment it was funny. And this funny idea uh, hit me and it was like, it occurred to me, I was like, what if, 
It's not China or Russia that's going to invade America. What if it's Mexico? And, and I will spare you my La Raza, La Gente rant, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But they've been planning to take back, you know, um, the Americas, at least from California to Texas, for quite some time. La Raza has, you know. So, um, well, I mean, they're clearly all getting here. <laughs> they're sending all their troops. Or maybe it's going to be like, maybe it's going to be like a three-prong attack on the nation. They're going to have all of the uh, military-aged adult men spilling in, right? And then through, what, what was it? Through the, uh, through the crisis of the, uh, the supply chain and all of the, um, all of the boats and, you know, canisters waiting at sea to be brought back in. That's actually all of the Chinese and the Russian weapons waiting out there so that they're already parked outside in the ocean waiting off the shoreline. So they don't got to wait to reload, right? <laughs> And then, of course, we got China infiltrating every agency and every freaking uh, business in America. We got Russians building compounds out in the rules of, uh, you know, uh, the heartland, middle America, flyover country, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, maybe the Mexicans will be their ground force. And then, you know, the Chinese and the Russians will do all of like, you know, the special skilled type of technical specialty stuff maneuvering i don't know i don't know i'm not a war person guys but i do try my best so anyways this is an invasion on america guys that is exactly what that is that is exactly what that is and uh all of that from a president trump statement right yes aurelius Locke says uh la raza or the race like the race to the USA. <laughs> La raza de Estadounidense. <laughs> That's what it would be called. The race to the United States. <laughs> no, it's more like, well, like, La gente is the people. La raza is the race, you know? La raza. Güey. Anyways, okay, so uh, let's get this final President Trump statement in for the evening, my dear friends. Where are you at? Where did I do with it? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> We're on Truth Social. Where did I put Truth Social? What is this? Oh, I think I parked Truth Social, y'all. <laughs> Hold on. The last statement, actually, I'll, I'll give you a little hint, a little tip off. Last statement is about Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Ladies and gentlemen, do I see it up here somewhere? I could just pull it open again if I need to. Mm -hmm. No, I don't see it. There we go. And boom. Oh, man, that interview is live right now, ladies and gentlemen, live right now between uh, the most uh, successful um, information operations agent ever and uh, the most successful president of the United States ever. All right, guys, so final statement from President Trump is on Russia. 
We'll have to pull Russia up soon, guys. We'll have to pull Russia up soon. Uh, but President Trump says this. President Putin of Russia is now threatening the use of nuclear weapons, saying it is not a bluff. The Ukrainian conflict should never have happened and would not have happened if I were president. But as I have made very clear for quite some time, this could now end up being World War III. Well, you know, they need World War III. They need World War III. So hopefully they don't get it. We'll pray they don't get it. I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to get World War III. I think they, uh, I think they demilitarized themselves by, you know, supporting Ukraine, like the European Union did. <laughs> Pretty bad, guys. Timbajet says, I suggest you update yourself on the Russia stuff. Everything just changed again. And, you know, there, I have a problem with that. You know, I mean, I, I get it. Things change. Okay. I get it. Things change. But I need root sources. Okay. Because... I don't know. I, you know, what, what was it that I said that one time that everyone was like, oh, I'm done with this guy. I'm done with this fool in the red blazer. What's this man talking about? Right. I don't remember what I said. I pissed everyone off. Anyways, this Russia, Russia, Russia thing. They're like, Mr. C and Putin, Putin, Putin. <laughs> Let me tell you what, the minute you had anyone who is respected within the truth, patriot, uh, make America great again, movement that started, uh, heavy breathing about Putin being an, a communist and an evil man who's trying to bring back the social, uh, the Soviet Union and uh, take over Ukraine and kill all the, I mean, again, the moment that someone who was respected or who was in the camp of people who were respected in the movement as leaders, ladies and gentlemen, the moment someone opened their mouth and heavy breathed on the topic without citing any sources, we just have to trust them. And, you know, I get it. If your gut sense says you trust them, you trust them. If you've known them to be trustworthy and, you know, their sources, et cetera, you trust them. I guess if they're hanging around with leaders of a movement that you trust, you trust them to say things about world leaders without citing sources. Again, I hear Putin does this, Putin does that, and I am not a Putin apologist, okay? I'm not even necessarily like a fan of Putin. I am a fan of Putin destroying the new world order. Aurelius Locke says, still rootin' for Putin, okay? I, are you saying you are or I am? <laughs> you know, um, but, but the thing about it is, guys, I will find the root source, okay? I will find it. It's out there somewhere, guys, okay? And if Putin really is still a communist, and I think some of the, uh, some of the um, emphasis on this has to do more with people who are working within his current governments that are part of certain parties or have certain connections to certain uh, ideals. And again, I, I could not verify this. I am very well aware that there is a communist party in Russia, but the communist party is not Russia, you know, but then there's uh, questions about his faith and what he really means by Eastern Orthodoxy. And I'm just like, do you guys really need an enemy that bad? Like, does humanity have to suffer 
at your whims of control just because you think we can't handle a society that does not have conflict to keep power and peace in balance. When are they going to understand that we don't need that anymore? We don't need conflict in order to sustain peace and balance, okay? I think that we've elevated ourselves to that level. Am I being too op um, optimistic? Am I being... Am I being too uh, generous to the human race, guys? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I, I, I stop and look around at the community of people that I'm involved in, and it makes me think that everyone else out there is like that. And then, you know, the harsh reality might set in, but, you know, at least it's not so harsh. Because at least we recognize that not everyone out there is a jerk. Not everyone out there is a liar. Not everyone out there is crooked. Not everyone is overly selfish and uh you know narcissistic out there i mean we all have our faults we all have our um we all have our imperfections you know but uh either way guys either way when it comes to putin i am still out on session all i know is from what i see visually speaking putin is taking out a big chunk of the new world order and the globalist Western deep state regime is fighting to save their playland of money laundering, drug trafficking, human trafficking, election theft, corrupt government. Probably there's a whole bunch of other things going on in there, ladies and gentlemen. And I got people in the Truth Patriot Make America Great Again movement who are taking sides with the West? How does that make sense? How is it that people who are in the truth movement, how is it that they are siding with the West, with the West's narrative? If anything, in the same breath that they say Putin is a communist that wants the Soviet Union to return, to be fair, they should say, but they are killing the Nazis in Ukraine. If they want to play that game, be fair. Put it across the entire board. Don't just give me one side of your little compartmentalized story that you're trying to control everyone's fragmented knowledge breach from, okay? Because basically that's what it boils down to, okay? And why don't we get to the root source? You know, um, I don't know. Do you, do you guys think that uh, websites like RT and Sputnik and TOSS, do you think that those are totally state-run propaganda and everything that they say is false, phony, inaccurate, and fake news? Because when I take their stories and I compare them to the likes of the Western media, the legacy press, the mainstream, shamestream, fake stream, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media. It is, it is the Russian media that stands up with the actual information and all of the emotional propaganda and re redundant and repetitive lies is all we get out of the West, you know? I mean, how long did it take them to get an actual, get actual footage of uh, Ukrainians in military equipment that wasn't being blown up by the Russians? It took them, how, where, how, how far are we into this thing? Well, it started in March. We're six months in, guys. End of February. Six months in, and it took them five and a half months to get footage of Ukrainians in military equipment not getting blown to smithereens. 
because they didn't have it before because Ukraine was getting decimated. And by, by lengthening the time of the conflict, they are enabling more of these um, outside external forces, more of these influences to come in and shift and, um, you know, like uh, massage the narrative. They, they've always put their lie out there in front. Now they have the time to make the lie true. And that's what they're doing through the passage of time, as Kamala Harris said. You know, she is Miss Word Salad. She's Miss Toss Your Word Salad, right? That's, that's Kamala Harris. But when she was talking about the passage of time, I do hold and I believe that she was telling her handlers, give us more time. The only way we can make this go away is through the passage of time. Because what? People forget, right? Other things happen, right? We can stage other events, right? We can distract people. The passage of time, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think she's a genius, you know, but I think she was desperate in some way to let her handlers know that they were going to try and take care of it. Or maybe she was trying to let the investors know for her handlers that the handlers had it in the bag through the passage of time, right? Because there's all these other levels that we don't see and or know about, but they're there. They are there. Let's see here. Uh, Aurelius Locke says, uh, Putin is definitely not autocratic, but not Oh, wait, I take that back. Uh, Aurelius said Putin is definitely autocratic, but not communist. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I almost I would say almost borderline authoritarian. But I, I think I, I think he genuinely has people on his side that work with him because they want to not because they're afraid of him or, you know, he's going to punish them or you got some kind of weird Pavlovian thing going on. You know, I don't think that's the case, you know? I mean, I don't know that from Jack, but that's just the way it would seem to me from everything I've seen, you know? I mean, other uh, otherwise, you know, Oliver Stone was the biggest, you know, uh, deep state double agent that spread the most propaganda about Putin because after all, it was his series of interviews where people really got to know his personality, his countenance, his temperance, and... Um, I mean, I'm sure anyone could say that that might have been staged or it might have just been a Putin act. But I, I can't think of any time on camera that I've seen him get upset like that unless he was addressing the Ukrainian Nazis or he was addressing the New World Order uh, unipolar establishment that has been decimated. Basically, at this point, I mean, they're still trying to revive and resuscitate it. You know, they're still fixing the parts as they break. Uh, the New World Order and the globalists are of the Great Reset. But that's done, you know. Now, conversely, there's something on the other side of the coin that we haven't looked at, that some people have looked at. I've looked at it. I've taken a peek. I haven't delved into it. But that would have to do with the BRICS nations, guys. And that's not a topic that we're going to tackle tonight. And it's not a theory or uh, an hypothesis that we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, experiment with either this evening. Um, Timajet says, Mr. C, you can break news on your channel, play a video and check out my link and telegram. Awesome. Will do, sir. I saw you drop the link there. Thank you so much for, uh, doing that, sir. 
Yeah, Timbershet also said Russian is not communist. Putin is not communist. That is some dumb, stupid shit. <laughs> oh, thank you for the cookie as well, Mr. Timbershet. I appreciate that. I def appreciate your contribution, sir, to tonight's show. Cool. We'll definitely do that, guys. We'll definitely do that. Serious nationalist, right? You know, I don't even think Putin is authoritarian, honestly. I think, I mean, soft authoritarian, maybe? You know, there's got to be a better way to describe it. Like, he, serious nationalist? I mean, I don't know. That's almost ultra nationalist. That's almost a, a ultra Trump, right? <laughs> do you see, guys, the connections? You know? I mean, they had to turn Dark Maga into Dark Brandon because we just nuked the heck out of Dark Maga. So they had to they had to try and rebound on that one. They're uh, back to the drawing board, right? Back to the drawing board. Or or maybe it was the White Hats. They're like, oh, they tried to do a Dark Maga. Well, let's do Dark Brandon. And then you know they put the satanic uh, curtains behind him in that speech. Anyways, guys. Okay, let's move on. I did want to cover, I did want to cover Russia tonight, guys, uh, but in the interest of time, um, would not be able to do it um, because really what my uh, goal in anything having to do with Russia really is to take what is being produced, published, propagandized by Western media and then just stack it up to the Russian media or to um, any other international media that's actually reporting on what they're seeing and not following the Western narrative. You'll find in India, you'll find in uh, several countries that they're telling you the truth about what's happening in Ukraine. Okay. It is the Western media from the European Union all the way to North America and down to Australia. I mean, not that entire like area, obviously, but those three points, you know, the Western media, and uh, they're the ones who have been um, uh, uh, profligating these uh, lies and propagandas about what was going on, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, but, but, but what I, what I was looking for guys was um, uh, the actual phrase that he used. And I haven't been able to review the articles that he said, he used the words a nuclear nuclear threat. I mean, I did see uh, the words, it is not a bluff, like in a headline, you know, but I also need to learn the context of the story because you guys remember how everyone blew up. Uh, the, it was such a clickbait. It was, um, it was Putin says he's going to strike non-Ukrainian enterprises or uh, agencies um, if uh, things don't stop. And um, basically that means they're going to strike London. He never said they were going to hit London. You know, all they said is they were going to strike forces outside of Kiev. Basically, in a roundabout way. He never said we're striking Washington, D.C. He never said we're striking uh, London or, you know, um, any other any other uh, important building over there in Europe. <laughs> never said any of that. It was all of us out here in the live streams that started inferring on that. Like we knew what he was talking about. Like we've been following this story from day one and most of us haven't, you know? I mean, I started following this Russia story when Kazakhstan went into a revolt and uh, they tried to have a coup over there, you know? That should update you guys on Kazakhstan as well. 
because they recently had elections over there not too long ago. A lot of elections happening around the world, a lot of upheaval, a lot of upset, a lot of multiple presidents, you know, a lot of election fraud claims, you know, things are just heating up, guys. And it just reminds me of uh, Brazil's elections next month. And th those are going to be very important to have uh, to have a President Trump, so to speak, in the fourth largest democracy on this planet is big, big deal, guys. It's a big deal. That's a lot of land, a lot of people. It's a lot of willpower. So, yeah, got to keep an eye on that stuff. But uh, OK. All right, you got me off into my Russia Russias. <laughs> Dimbajet, you got me off into my Russia Russias. Hello, Jimmy McGill. Uh, no, I was not interested. Guys, give me a moment. Sorry. I'm going to have to uh, put this thing in a way that I don't knock it out. I, I knocked the cord out of the uh, microphone again. Anyways, uh, Jimmy Gill McGill over at Twitch. Uh, I was not reading commentary off of Twitch. Obviously, you're the only one in the room. <laughs> I think you're the only one in the room right now, Mister uh, Mister Jimmy McGill. Uh, anyhow, I no no no. We're 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 broadcasting on like multiple platforms. Uh, this uh, broadcast is this live stream is sir. <laughs> Uh, says I sound Canadian. That's fun. Nah, I, yeah, I don't tend to use the words like a boot unless I'm a boot to take a boot to your butt. All right, guys, let's get, let's get on with the rest of today's episode. I do have a few election stories. Of course, what would a C report be without election stories? Uh, not, not heavy stories, but you know, uh, Accents that I think, uh, you know, are uh, good to keep in mind. So uh, let's go ahead and get on with that. Uh, first things first, though, ladies and gentlemen. I do have a little special treat for you guys. So uh, before we jump into um, a few stories for this evening, uh, we're going to actually check out a different interview with President Trump tonight. Uh, he's doing a Hannity right now. So we're going to do a John Voigt over here at the Sea Report. So uh, John Voigt, esteemed actor and uh, respected, uh, you know, actor, <laughs> uh, actually conducted an interview with President Trump in Bedminster, New Jersey. So uh, I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, uh, I admire uh, some of the uh, writing of John Voigt that he does for America. He writes patriotic poetry. Maybe I should be like, hey, John Voigt, do you want to submit some patriotic poetry to my anthology? <laughs> hmm, maybe I should. <clears throat> He'll get all but uh, a single copy of the anthology his work appeared in. Uh, but anyhow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I admire his work, you know, uh, his poetry. I mean, I, I like writing, so I guess I'm a nerd like that. But uh, uh, for this particular um, interview, which was aired on Newsmask, that's right, Newsmask with a K, uh, they seem to handle one specific topic, which I was actually quite glad to hear about because it's not a topic that we hear 
I think at all. I don't think we heard much of anything at all on this topic the entire time. And granted, it, uh, this event did take place towards the end of President Trump's first administration, his first term, you know. But still, we didn't hear anything about it. We didn't, I mean, I didn't hear anything about it, you know, and uh, I, for a while I had some articles saved on the topic, but basically uh, the topic of conversation between John Voigt and President Trump is all about President Trump's Abraham Accords and how he brokered peace in the Middle East during his time, optically speaking, in the White House. So uh, I thought this would be something uh, interesting to listen to for us guys, and I'm going to go ahead and get that rolling. Uh, so again, this is uh, Jean Voigt interviewing President Trump at his uh, Bedminster, New Jersey um, location. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of this interview, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's get that screen a rolling. The most significant advancement toward peace in the Middle East was formed. It was an agreement that created new relationships in a manner that had never been attempted before, and it has achieved results that have exceeded all expectations. And chances are you've never even heard of it. In this very special presentation, I'm going to take you through the history of the land of Israel, culminating in one of the most significant steps forward in the history of Israel's statehood. And I'm going to sit down with the president who made it happen. This is Israel and the Abraham Accords with Donald Trump and John Voigt. While the story that led to the Abraham Accords actually began many thousands of years ago, today's story begins in, of all places, Bedminster, New Jersey, home of the Trump National Golf Club, where I was fortunate enough to sit down with President Donald Trump. President Trump, this is a, a big honor for me. And I have to say right away, people assume because of some of the stances I've taken in, uh, that we're f friends and we're close friends and that we speak often, you know, and I say, well, I don't see him that much, but uh, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for you. And so I, I'm, I'm really honored. Uh, and I took this, you, uh, this is so that you think I'm a journalist, you see what I mean? I, I'm an actor, so I have a problem. Right. You're also a very talented person, I, I think a truly great actor. That's why we honored you at the White House with the highest achievement, and you deserve it. That was a, one of the most fun pictures I have. Is I heard the music for Midnight Cowboy, the way you right. introduced me, and it went on, and I said, I better get up and do something. And I got up and I started doing a little dance move. Right. And, and I have a picture of you laughing when I did that. And that, that's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah, that was well. It was also one of my favorite movies, along with other of your movies, as you know. But uh, no, I just very much appreciate your expression. Thank you very much. Great. What I wanted to speak to you about was uh, something that I had been, that we started at JLTV. My partner, Stephen Paul, said, what should we do, John, with JLTV? And I said, why don't you tell the story of the land of Israel? And we made a TV show called The Land of Israel, God's Story. We told the story of the land of Israel from the actual places that it happened. To me, this, is, this story is so extraordinary. It's God's gift to humankind. 
God says to this man, Abraham, 3,800 years ago, mm -hmm. when Abraham was 75 years old, he said, I want you to go away from your home, away from your father's home, to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and those who bless you I will bless, and those who curse you I will curse, and through you, you will be a blessing to all the families on earth. And this was God's beginning of saying, here's how we'll help the human race get on track, going toward this land we will establish. And we know quickly what happened. Abraham was told when he went to Canaan, which was Israel, your son Isaac, and then Jacob, these will be the base of this land that I'm going to give you. Your people will eventually be a a multitude of people, and, and 400 years from now, they're going to be slaves in Egypt. I will come and get them, and I will prepare them and bring them to the land, this land that you're on. And then we will begin to develop this land toward righteousness. And we know what happened. They went to the land, and unfortunately, these people turned their back on God's statutes. And God said, if you do this, through the prophets, he said this, you're going to be taken from this land. Horrors are going to take place for you because this is what you've done. And you will be distributed across the world. You won't be in this land. And then each prophet said, one after the other, I will gather them from the nations that they've been sent into. And there will be a remnant that will come back. And we will come back to this land. And then... I will be your God and you will be my people. There are people in the world who think that the Bible is nothing more than a story. But I would ask them, if that's so, then why did history play out exactly as the prophets foretold 3,000 years ago? The Jews were exiled from Israel and spread to all corners of the world, to Australia, to Manchuria, everywhere, every continent. After nearly 2,000 years of exile, the prophecy for the Jews' return began to take shape. As it was written in the Bible, the land of Israel ran from Don to Beersheba. From the years 1517 to 1917, this area had become part of the Ottoman Empire. At the beginning of World War I, the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, Mehmed V, chose to join forces with the Central Powers, Germany. Austria-Hungary and Bulgaria against the Allies in World War I, a tactical decision that led to his empire's demise. As part of the ceasefire and surrender agreement, the Allied countries were awarded mandates over the colonies of the Central Powers in hopes of ensuring that the Great War could never happen again. Palestine was placed under the mandate of the British. Shortly after taking control of the region, British Foreign Secretary Arthur Balfour began to circulate a memorandum that became known as the Balfour Declaration, which expressed support for the, quote, establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. This became accepted by the British government and the League of Nations. However, Arab nations, who were reluctant to see the creation of a Jewish state in the region, quickly began to place tremendous pressure on the British parliament. In time, it succumbed to the pressure, and it soon became clear that a Jewish homeland would never be realized under the British mandate. It would remain in limbo until 1948, when Britain turned over the control of Palestine 
to the United Nations, who partitioned it into two separate countries, one of which would become the Jewish homeland. While this fell far short of the promise of what the Almighty had intended for them, they accepted this as a necessary first step. On May 14, 1948, the Jewish residents of Palestine declared independence over the land that had been allotted to them, restoring it to its rightful name, Israel. The Arab League, believing that the Jews would easily be defeated, launched an illegal, unprovoked war to gain control of the Israeli partition. Despite a refusal by the West to support Israel in this assault, the Arab forces miraculously fell to the Israeli militias, known then as Haganah. They would become the foundation for the Israeli Defense Force. In the process of defending their newly formed country, the Israelis gained control over 78% of the land originally promised by the League of Nations. When we come back, more on the history that led up to the signing of the most significant step toward peace in this century. And now, more of my conversation with Donald Trump. Now, our presidents, our country, who carry the Bible, you know, and know this story very well, know the importance of this land and the gift of this land to this people, didn't support Israel very well. And Israel was attacked several times by these warring nations and then internally. And our presidents, didn't do much to help them, didn't see it. They kept offering peace solutions that required Israel give up land. Now, Israel's a very small place. They don't have land. And the Arab nations surrounding them have nothing but land. All Israeli-Arab peace talks have focused on creating borders within Israel where another Arab state can reside and have its own independent government. This is what drove both the Camp David Accords in 1978 and the Oslo Accords in 1993. However, in both cases, peace never materialized, and the assassinations of both Egyptian Prime Minister Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin were directly tied to these land for peace agreements. The Oslo Accords in particular had a devastating effect on Israeli-Palestinian relations as the PLO used its newfound proximity to Israelis to commit some of the most heinous terrorist acts imaginable. First with suicide bombings on buses and later with rockets launched from Gaza into highly populated civilian areas. The Trump administration recognized that the missing step toward peace was not a political one, but economic. They quickly began to investigate how the United States could help cement economic agreements between Israel and its surrounding Arab neighbors. Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner began the process of negotiation between Israel and the United Arab Emirates to build channels for direct investment and financial cooperation between the two countries. By mid-August of 2020, a deal had been reached. As news of this landmark agreement began to make its way through the Middle East, leaders from the country of Bahrain reached out to Kushner and his senior advisor, Ivy Berkowitz, saying, we want to be next. 
We just finished a very exciting two days here in Bahrain where we had the Peace to Prosperity Workshop. We had over 20 countries participate and 350 business leaders from throughout the world. This is a very important blueprint for the future of the Palestinian people and hopefully a step in the direction of making this a safer, more prosperous region uh, with tremendous opportunity for all the people. On September 15th, 2020, the leaders of the United States, Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain signed the Abraham Accords on the South Lawn of the White House. Abraham, as uh, many of you know, was the father of all three uh, great faiths. Uh, he's referred to as Abraham in the Christian faith, Ibrahim in the Muslim faith, and Abraham in the Jewish faith. And uh, no person uh, better symbolizes uh, the potential for unity among all these three great faiths than Abraham, and that's why this accord has been given that name. I wanted it to be called the Donald J. Trump Accord, <laughs> but I didn't think the press would understand that, so I didn't do that. This day is a pivot of history. It heralds a new dawn of peace. I stand here today to extend a hand of peace and receive a hand of peace. The declaration supporting peace between the kingdom of Bahrain and the state of Israel is an historic step on the road to genuine and lasting peace. We are already discussing this with other nations, very powerful, very good nations and people that want to see peace in the Middle East. Shortly thereafter, Sudan, Morocco, Oman, and Jordan formally signed the accords as well, clearing a host of new economic ties in this region. The accords have pumped billions of dollars into the economies of all the countries involved. When I became president, and even before I became president, I spoke very favorably about Israel. Golan Heights, uh, as an example. The Golan Heights were yet another attempt by the Israelis to trade land for peace. The Israelis captured the Golan Heights from Syria during the Six-Day War in 1967. After a ceasefire had been called between Israel, Egypt, Jordan, and Syria, the Israeli Knesset was prepared to return the Golan Heights to the Syrians in exchange for peace. This offer was quickly rejected when Syria signed on to the Khartoum Resolution at the end of the 1967 Arab League summit. The resolution became known in Arab circles as the three no's. No peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. As such, both Israel and Syria continued to lay claim to the land. On December 14, 1981, Israel passed the Golan Heights Law, extending Israel's laws, jurisdiction, and administration to the Golan Heights. Israel's sovereignty over the land had not been recognized by any other country until the Trump administration changed the U.S. position to assert that the Golan Heights were part of the state of Israel. When we come back, more of my conversation with Donald Trump. Welcome back. And now, more of my conversation with Donald Trump. I've always had a good relationship with uh, people of the Jewish faith. I've uh, got along with them very well. Uh, great respect for what they've done, what they've accomplished. The promises that were made to bring our embassy into Jerusalem, 
happened under this president, Donald Trump. Jerusalem is recognized as the capital of Israel by nearly every country, including the United States. However, as the hopes for peace hinged on the belief that the eventual Palestinian state would have its capital in the eastern part of Jerusalem, the United States Israeli embassy was instead built in the city of Tel Aviv so as not to offend the Arabs. In 1995, Congress adopted the Jerusalem Embassy Act, which urged the State Department to move its embassy to Israel's rightful capital. This law, however, was never enacted by any president prior to 2020, when President Trump began the process of moving the U.S. Embassy to its rightful Israeli home. Exactly 70 years ago, the United States, under President Harry Truman, became the first nation to recognize the state of Israel. Today, we officially open the United States Embassy in Jerusalem. While it was expected that this might cause a stir in the Arab world, no harm came from it, which leads one to question, are we near a time of great peace? I believe that there's going to be a turnaround. Is that hope? Or is that from your instinct? Why do you believe that? I mean, if some very big things don't happen very quickly, yes, there can't I, be a turnaround. I agree. People say to me all the time, will Donald Trump run? I said, certainly will run, but we can't wait too long. And I wanted to just say something about this, this gentleman. Just in this place we're at, we're at Trump International uh, in uh, New Jersey, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place, great golf course. I'm from uh, the other coast, Palos Verdes, and uh, you have a wonderful golf course there, which I visited. And they tell a story. You went, went into the place and you, uh, you check on a place, and whenever somebody, you come to anywhere, everybody says, he knows everyone who works in every one of his facilities. Now, I know you have places all over the country. You went into the place and you said, is Sally so-and-so working here today? You went in and said, oh, yeah, she have her come see me. And you went to one of the offices. And uh, she came in and you said, I hear you're having a little bit of a difficulty. And she said, well, I have some cancer issues. And see, I'm getting emotional. See, this is from the, you, you keep saying the champ. You can't, you can't watch the champ without crying. Well, I can't, <laughs> I can't go, go through this story without crying. And you said, I'll take care, uh, let me take care of the, uh, of the uh, whatever it's gonna cost. You know, I wanna take care of you, you're valuable to me. Whatever that is, I mean, and that's who you are. That's who I know you to be. And, and people, when they work for you, all these people here that I've met and the people I've met at the various facilities and down in Mar-a-Lago, uh, they always have a smile on their face. And they're always very clever people, really good people, good folks who do their job well. And I also just have a personal thing to thank you for. My father was a golf professional. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you, you have a great golf game and you, you have a great appreciation for the game. And one of the things that you did, you, you, you've taken these different areas across the country that we're going to seed a little bit, and you looked at them and you said, we can do something with this place. And you turned it into something that was a blessing for that area and for some, all the people that work there. You did this in New Jersey, you did it here, you did it, you know, and you did it at 
with Doral. And from my, my understanding of golf, you see, Doral was a course that was up here, one of right. the great courses. It was no longer in the picture for the big tournaments because it, it would uh, have to be adjusted to the, the longer game, the different, the, the, the ball speed and all of this stuff that it, it had to be, you know, approached and changed. You took that on and you made it into a great golf course. And I think it's one of the most charismatic golf courses in the country now, yeah. Doral, because of you. So I have that to thank you. for. Anyway, so I, I'm, I'm just very grateful for your presence in so many areas. But uh, well, I, first of all, I think it's so nice the way you express that. And uh, even the slight little tears that come, you, you're just a fantastic person. And I really want people to come together. I want the United States to be one in their understanding of the greatness of this country and wanting its future to be magnificent for the new generations to come. And, uh, and that means the, the world will go toward peace. So I, I say to the folks, I say, let's stay in hope. Let's appreciate our country. And let's uh, appreciate those who are capable of turning the tide and bringing us back to uh, the greatness that we were given by our founding fathers. So, well, I want to thank you, and we love the country. The country's in trouble. It's got to be solved fairly quickly. Uh, yes. it, there is no choice but to solve the problem, but it's a big problem. It's a big problem, and I hope it continues forward, and we love Israel, and we hope everything's going to be okay. Sure. A lot of good moves have to be made or it's not going to be okay. And right. we uh, say God bless you and good luck. John, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for this time, Mr. President. I hope it's, I hope it's uh, worthy of you. Oh, no. This Excellent. Very good. Very good. Thank you, John. John has a new career. John is, John is the greatest. I didn't have to do too much talking. <laughs> No, you, no, you were great. Uh, Watch your head, John. People talk about you today. Uh, if you guys want to stay from dinner, if you want to, why don't you just get great food? Can we get a table set up for yeah. Are they set? Upstairs. Will you take care of them? Okay, I have no idea why David Duchovny just showed up on the screen, guy. <laughs> I guess you get a Jean Voight interview with Trump, you get David Duchovny for some reason. <laughs> That's why I hit the screen so fast. Look, watch. What does David Duchovny have to do? Oh, Fox Mulder. Stupid. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, that was off a news mask, though, ladies and gentlemen. Great interview. I got to say. Great interview. Um, you know... It's very interesting. Just just a brief moment of reflection on uh, on what uh, was just covered in that interview. Because again, like I said, when it came uh, to the Abraham Accords, and I guess timing had a lot to do with this as well. But I'm pretty sure there was a lot of suppression of uh, information surrounding this entire event. Uh, because as uh, as uh, um, Jean uh, Mr. Voigt expressed in uh, his commentary. Uh, they they had assumed there would be a lot of uh, 
of violence and strife uh, based on the move of the embassy to Jerusalem, etc. And and even when it came to uh, peace and negotiations and land and ceasefires, what did they say that President Trump had figured out that the real problem was an economic one, not necessarily territory or you know, that kind of a thing. You know, I kind of have a feeling like that's the problem with everything. You know, you want to talk about food shortage? It's an economic problem because uh, there's enough food to feed everyone on this planet. It's simply the corporations, the, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like an anarchist, but it, it, it literally is the uh, corporations and uh, the financers and all that are tying up all of that food behind uh, red tape and contracts and uh, you know, invoices, etc. I would say the same thing with property too. There's more than enough land on this planet to give everyone at least one acre each, right? If we were more smart about doing things and uh, we weren't trying to build like the line like they're doing over there in what Saudi Arabia. So they can, they can house like what, eight? What was it, like eight million people? I think it was probably more than that. But anyhow, guys, so a very interesting uh, I just wanted to share that. And again, I did at the head of the episode because uh, this is a topic we don't hear too much about. I don't have a lot to, to wax on about this topic. Because uh, again, it's one that I have not um, done a deep dive of research into. There's a lot of uh, information that's given in this interview uh, that I think personally, um, there could be some conversation, discussion, and if you want debate about some of it, but I would say, stay tuned, dear audience members of the Sea Report and Mr. CTV, because um, the topic of Israel, uh, as sordid as it can be, uh, when you think about the history, the geopolitical implications, and all of the other unknowns and unseens about that entire situation, you know, uh, well... I, I, we will be cracking into those topics uh, in the uh, coming weeks and months to come. So we're not going to shy away from it, you know, and, and try not to stick too hard to just headlines as a motivation for putting on informational, inter uh, slightly entertaining shows for you guys, you know, but, but then to dig a little bit deeper and to really get into the past, you know, that's, that's where I really formulated my stance on like, for example, what was going on in Russia with Ukraine and Putin. And uh, the reason why I hold so fast to my own thoughts is because I discovered this information for myself. And I have not yet been able to discover information that backs up the claims that even people who are working in the truth and the patriotic movements uh, claim. You know, I can't I can't find anything that these people are claiming. OK, and you guys remember I issued that challenge to my audience several times uh, months ago, you know, like, OK, if you if you say Putin's this, Putin's that, please send me an article and I'll take care of it from there. You know, just give me a lead, you know, and I'll, I'll find the route somehow. But that that has not happened yet. So I'm going to I'm going to go fish out some Encyclopedia Brit Britannica's. <laughs> From the 90s and the early 2000s before, you know, the internet got really uh, kicking. And, and maybe there's some information in there that I'll have to, I'll have to actually go to the La Biblioteca, that's Spanish for the library, in order to do some research, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, 
because the, the way it sounds like with Putin and Russia, for example, is that Putin and Russia managed to scrub the entire internet and every single server in America and around the world and cut the cords of every single piece of historic information on Putin and Russia. That's the way these people sound. Is that realistic? No. Okay. I don't think it's realistic. You know, um, America can't even do that. They tried. They've tried to scrub stories that were uh, bigger than that, guys. <laughs> and it didn't work. So, yeah. There you go, guys. That's just my point of view on it. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview in lieu of the Sean Hannity interview with President Trump tonight. But you're more than welcome to go and support Fox News at any time you'd like. I won't look any differently at you, but uh, I don't know. You might not have the same seat you did at the C report that you did before. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not like that. All right, guys, let's get into a few uh, quick stories so we can finish off the night, ladies and gentlemen. After we got through uh, President Trump's uh, speech there in his interview and uh, John Voight's um, uh, eloquent and, uh, you know, I mean, that is the... That's what the heart and the soul of a poet looks like to me anyways. Some people would say that's just a sensitive old man, right? Who's uh, probably just uh, bittersweet and uh, reminiscent of the days gone by and uh, the America that is no more, which I think isn't that enough to bring someone to tears that truly loves this country. We've seen it happen so many times. Here's another man that loves this nation, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, that man is the man on the screen. Uh, he goes by the name of Michael Gableman, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice, former special counsel to um, the uh, Republican GOP Assembly, investigation into election fraud and criminality for 2020. Now, in the most expected fashion, the legacy media, the fake news, the Mockingbird Press, uh, they are starting to turn out their attacks, right, on the Trump supporters. Remember, uh, we shared a story yesterday, I believe, about how the DOJ is actually already in the midst of conducting a criminal investigation into post-election integrity uh, deniers or post-election integrity um, uh, questioners, you know, people who wanted to challenge the results once they were certified. So uh, this would be a prime example of one, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't, um, they didn't steal his personal effects. They didn't um, uh, take his cell phone away. They didn't raid his apartment. They didn't, you know, uh, um, uh, scurry through a bunch of boxes and papers. Uh, but they are putting the hit stories out on them. So you see how quickly they really turned the fire up on someone who went hard on election fraud and exposed crimes in his state in that regard. You know, he had a veil of protection. Um, former count, uh, former Supreme Court Justice Mr. Gableman did. He had a thin veil of protection. So as long as he was on the payroll that Robin Voss Rhino signed the check for, so to speak. I mean, we all know it's the taxpayers that signed that check, but so to speak, you know, Robin Voss is the one who hired him. I told you Robin Voss was a master professional uh, of, of duplicity 
you know, and uh, deception. I mean, his entire his entire uh, performance uh, between Trump and Gableman and uh, his uh, handlers, uh, either in the Wisconsin Assembly or above, you know, his performance was very masterful. I mean, the only ones who were paying attention was the Gateway Pundit and the Sea Report, just about to what uh, Robin Voss was doing. Okay, a and also uh, 100% fed up, and maybe um, I think 100% fed up might have been the other one that was paying attention to. Um, to to his his utter duplicity, you know, all of the facts that are stacking up against him that lean towards supporting the notion that he has absolutely no intention of uh, securing elections. And he definitely, because he said so himself many times, had no intention of seeking the certification of the 2020 election, even after Gableman discovered all of the laws that were broken. And it wasn't just like one law broken in one precinct in one county. It, it affected the entire state. Every single county in Wisconsin was affected by these broken laws. And uh, so every single election contest in Wisconsin should not have been certified. Bribery laws were broken, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, process procedure laws were broken. Uh, you know, legislative laws were broken. The entire, the entire, um, the entire way that they handle elections in Wisconsin was broken, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, during this um, uh, uh, pandemic uh, faux uh, type of assist that Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, through the Center on uh, Tech and Civic Life, provided to the likes of uh, the Zuckerberg Five, uh, Madison, Racine, Green Bay, Milwaukee, and uh, I always forget the last one. Madison, Racine, Green Bay, Milwaukee, and it'll come to me in a minute. I always forget the fifth one. Green Bay, Madison, uh, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha. <coughs> Pardon me. So yeah, Kenosha was the other one. So uh, you had that going on, guys. And uh, now the media is turning up the heat because Robin Voss has let um, Michael Gableman off of the hook, so to speak. Let's see what dirt they're trying to pull on him. You know, they did this to him the very first time he came out as the uh, as the special counsel for the investigation. Because uh, I shared the story. I shared the story because, you know, knowing that Robin Voss is a big old rhino and, and uh, that he is a traitor to this nation, I figured he was going to foible this investigation the same way he did the previous four or five audits, investigations that he promised that either never, uh, um, never uh, produced results or never even got started. Okay. So I thought that he hired Gableman as a, uh, a ringer, me believing Gableman was a doofus, and then the local newspaper running a story that said, uh, Robin Voss, we don't understand why he's hiring someone like a special, uh, I mean, a former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman, who has no experience with elections and was quoted to have said during his, uh, I, I don't know if it was an acceptance speech or what it was, a press conference, that he had absolutely no idea how elections were run. 
And I was like, it figures Robin Voss would hire someone like this. And then Michael Gableman did something that just about knocked me off my feet. And he followed through, not with just the integrity of, I don't know, the integrity of a falling star, right? You can't stop a, fa a star from falling. It's not going to stop itself, right? He, he, he carried through that investigation with the integrity of a falling star. It's some strange new analogy I just made up. More than that, tenacious. You know, he was like a bulldog, you know, whenever he was going into these hearings and he was getting lip and pushback and mocked and ridiculed by the Wisconsin elected representatives so-called elected supposedly representatives you know so um that that's i mean honestly guys you know that was my first assessment and uh gableman proved me wrong in so many ways i'm just the prove me wrong gableman because i would rather be wrong if you are right sir uh, so here's an article from the msm fired pro trump wisconsin auditor floats revolution after failing to turn up voter fraud proof. So the mainstream media, the Western-backed press, is still trying to fish for uh, Trump supporter violence, uh, patriotic American violence. They are still fishing for that, guys. They are still attempting to get that to go off, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I guess in some alternate timeline, they were successful at uh, aggravating patriots into bearing arms to save this republic. I don't think we're in that timeline anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, what else can be said about that? Uh, article says Michael Gableman, the pro-Trump auditor, who was fired earlier this year by Republican Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Rob. It was like a month ago. <laughs> They fired him a month ago, and I'm sure they put earlier this year to make it seem like Michael Gableman is sour grapes, just like President Trump. Maybe they're going to like, uh, maybe they're going to sculpt this narrative that everyone in the Trump campaign or Trump camp are just sore losers who just cannot get over the fact that they lost and that uh, the other candidate was more popular than theirs. Because in some strange, sophomorically designed society, that's all that they think people would care about, you know. Uh, the other candidate was more popular. Damn it. Now let's just go and uh, let's just go and ruin people's faith in elections. I mean, if we can't have our candidates, then no one can have a candidate. We'll just destroy the election process in this country. I mean, the Democrats and the progressives, the communists, the Marxists, the traitors to this nation. They're all doing that anyway. Even, even the uh, Republicans, well, they would be the traitors as well. Again, not all of them, guys, but I got to keep it real, okay? I got to keep it real, okay? I got to keep it real. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that Gableman told a group of Republicans earlier this month that he fears Americans are too comfortable to launch a violent revolution capable of overthrowing the current American government. Now, these are the words that Gableman said. Let's see if they match the interpretation of the article writer. Gableman said, Our comfort is holding us back from taking the action that is necessary. The greatest challenge of our poor in this country is not lack of food.
its obesity. It's a beautiful world, but it's that very comfort that is keeping us from what our founders knew to be the only way to keep an honest government, which is revolution. <clears throat> so um, if you were to take your standard basic type of definition of revolution, you're going to think bloody, violent, coup, right? Uh, but not all revolutions are violent, ladies and gentlemen. Not all revolutions are bloody. I mean, we're in the midst of a revolution right now because of the information war that's going on. We're in the midst of a revolution right now because of the information that is uh, is being weaponized, created, propagated, you know, for and or against or in all cases. It's insane. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess they can they can very well put it in that context if they want it to. But of course they are. Because they are enemies of this nation and they are enemies of anyone who is trying to restore this republic. Gableman went on to quote the Thomas Jefferson uh, quote. <laughs> Gableman went on the quote Thomas Jefferson as having said that. Oh, I see why I'm not reading this right because they 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 printed it wrong. Gableman went on uh, to quote Thomas Jefferson as having said that the tree of liberty must be watered by the blood of revolution in every generation before then fretting that I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I thought it was the tree of liberty is watered by the blood of patriots and traitors, but I'm sure it's interchangeable. After Gableman was appointed to audit the results of the 2020 election, he quickly butted heads with other Wisconsin Republicans particularly over his declaration that the state should decertify the results, despite the fact that, according to this article, there is no constitutional mechanism for doing so. So uh, apparently they were taking notes from Robin Voss uh, in order to uh, come to that conclusion. Ladies and gentlemen, downright ridiculous, you know, downright ridiculous. Was Michael Gableman calling for a bloody violent revolution to arrive at the uh, lawn of the Capitol in Washington, D.C.? No, Michael Gableman did not. In fact, the one who did that, the person who did say that was actually uh, retired uh, Major General uh, Paul Vallelie, okay? Paul Vallelie is the one who said that. Paul Vallelie is the one who said he wanted to lead the uh, Tea Party to a violent revolution to overthrow the people who had um, um, cap uh, taken captive our, our nation. And that's what General Vallelie said. That's not what Michael Gableman said, but for some reason, everyone just loves Paul Vallelie. They just love Paul Vallelie. I'm sure they all love Michael Aquino also, right? Well, I hope so, because if you uh, if you are supporting Vallely, I mean, you, you might as well be supporting uh, a man who was a known Satanist and uh, possibly a serial killer of children, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to leave that there <laughs> because we've got other stories to talk about tonight, ladies and gentlemen. See, this is how I get myself in trouble. I just I don't know. I got to keep it real. OK, so. All right. Uh, here's another story, guys. This one's another. This one's actually another troubling one, too. Uh, this one has to do with uh, J.R. Majewski, ladies and gentlemen. So again, this is following in the same vein 
of the media attacking Trump supporters, Trump candidates, election deniers, as it were. I, I, I would rather call them election integrity seekers, you know, or I don't know, election election uh, preservationists or something like that. So election security guard or a task force, like they called them over in Otero County, New Mexico. Uh, but in, in this uh, next uh, front or attack on a, a Trump supporter or a Trump candidate, a candidate who supports President Trump, one who is endorsed by President Trump, uh, they have set their sights on um, Ohio GOP House candidate um, J.R. Majewski. Now, it took me a minute to catch on to J.R. Majewski because over at the Foxhole and at Pill.net, he's got quite the fan base. Uh, but indeed, ladies and gentlemen, um, from um, mowing the uh, or cutting mowing <laughs> uh, what Trump into your uh, into your uh, your. I don't know, cornfield or whatever it is. He, he did that in. <laughs> all the way to running for Congress in his state. Wouldn't you say that's a pretty damn good example about getting involved in your local government and taking it back? I would say that's a pretty good example. And for that, um, uh, J.R. Majewski will have to suffer the consequences because the media is going to try and tear him apart. Um, now, this will bring nobody any pleasure to um, to hear the words of this article, but uh, so you guys can know about it and exactly where this is going. Um, we're going to go ahead and share this information with you guys. So this is what the, the legacy media, the fake news media is uh, spinning out about J.R. Majewski. Now, what they're claiming is, is that during the uh, Ohio Youngstown rally, that he made a statement uh, to the effect that he was in the uh, he was uh, in combat in Afghanistan, and uh, then of course they went back and checked his records uh, to see whether or not these statements are true. So here comes the nitpicking, right? Here comes the bone cleaning. This is why we, I mean, this is why we have to run immaculate campaigns. This is why I do not run for office, guys, because it will be a waste of your vote. Trust me, okay? At least for another 10 years. So anyways, guys, uh, let's see what, uh, let's see what uh, they picked at in this article with Mr. Majewski. It says, campaigning for Congress in Northwestern Ohio, Republican J.R. Majewski presents himself as an Air Force combat veteran who deployed to Afghanistan after the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. Thank you for specifying that. Uh, the military records, according to the article, tells a different story. They indicate he never deployed to Afghanistan, but instead completed a six-month stint helping to load planes at an airbase in Qatar, a longtime U.S. ally, and a safe distance from the fighting. Majewski's account of his time in the military is just one aspect of a biography that is suspect and includes a post-military life has been lived in a world of conspiracy theories, violent actions against the United States government, as well as, let's just put a cherry on top, guys, financial problems, right? Financial duress. So you see, they're already stacking all of these, uh, all of these uh, tag words against him, and then, of course, just to uh, just to put a little salt in the wound, he's got some financial situations as well. Still, thanks to an 
unflinching allegiance to former President Donald Trump, their words, not mine, Majewski once painted a massive Trump mural on his lawn. I thought it was, I thought he cut that into the grass, not painted it. Someone at Foxhole will tell me. Uh, anyhow, so um, he, uh, painted a, he painted a mural into his grass on his lawn. Uh, he also stands a chance of defeating longtime Democrat Representative Marcy Kaptur in a district newly redrawn to favor Republicans. Of course, it would be redrawn to favor Republicans. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though, uh, because there's, there's a couple of different um, factors here in that statement. J.R. Majewski stands to defeat Democrat Representative Marcy Kaptur in a district newly redrawn to favor Republicans. So say a local legacy press, progressive, no doubt leftist, uh, leftist funded news organization. So that's one of the factors, right, that, that they're saying. I would, I would vouch that another one of those factors in the newly redrawn districts didn't have anything to do with favoring Republicans over Democrats as much as it had to do with favoring establishment Republicans against incoming candidates who would have kicked their butt in the primary. But you see, one of the schemes that the election officials um, put into place in order to manipulate the entire electoral process, right, uh, is that they will, uh, along with um, along with attempting to get third parties kicked out and third parties moved out, they will redraw district lines so that if there is a candidate that is, for example, America first, and you know that district is hot for America first, so they got signatures in half no time. Oh well, guess what? Next month, we're going to redraw that district so that America First candidate has to start all over and possibly in a district that now has supporters that they didn't have before. So they may incidentally lose signatures, but they also may lose out on making it onto the ballot because of the time factor. So it, it kind of sounds like to me like there's manipulation of elections occurring even before early voting happens, guys. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? The election officials, whether they're crooked secretaries of state, secretaries of snakes, or they're um, ignorant but well-meaning county clerks, or they're well-paid, well-informed um, um, operatives working for any of these uh, agents' counterparts, you know, um, they have all this going on. They have all of this going on. That's pretty crazy, guys. Rigging elections before we even get to the voting box. That's crazy. Majewski, the article says, is among a cluster of Republican candidates most running for office for the first time, whose unvarnished life stories and hard right politics could diminish the chances of a Republican red wave on election day in November. So you see here, they're already planting the seeds that uh, there will be no red wave. So at least this way, they know their Democrat supporters can have something to say or talk about when they manage to pull off another theft. Um, it bothers me 
Uh, I don't even want to read this. Some retired Air Force colonel just talked smack about Majewski. Not worth sharing. Um, let's see here. Oh, so that, that is it. I guess that is the uh, that is the article because now they're talking. Oh no no no! I take it back. That was a that was a link there, not a uh, not an article change. Okay. So uh, here's what um, J.R. Majewski said in response to these allegations. He said, I am proud to have served my country. Uh, Majewski was not expected to advance from the August primary to challenge Captor, who has represented the Toledo area since 1982. This woman has been representing the same area for longer than I have been alive, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to run two stories in one day that talk about elected representatives in any office that have been in that same seat for more than three decades? Does nobody see anything wrong with this? You see, it was by design, ladies and gentlemen. It was by design that we stopped caring about our election. I mean, we stopped caring about our, our civic duties, about our self-governing activities. It is by design, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, they took advantage of our good nature and trust. And they totally exploited it and abused it, ladies and gentlemen. Totally exploited and abused it. 30 years, 40 years, you know, that's way too long to be a public servant, you know, you know, because, uh, you know, after a while, you forget that you're a public servant, right? And, and you start really taking to heart and really taking to ego, you know, elected official, I'm official. No, you are representative. That's what you are. So, uh, man, they continue to go in on Majewski. Uh, they say the two state legislators who were also on the ballot, uh, that was uh, between Majewski and Captor, the other two, uh, the other two um, legislators split the establishment vote. And that is what cleared a path for Majewski, who previously worked in the nuclear power industry and dabbled in politics as a pro-Trump hip-hop performer and promoter of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Now, I don't know J.R. Majewski enough to uh, make a comment on that statement, but I mean, come on, really? I mean, at this point, you know, them complaining about the QAnon is like us complaining about election fraud to them, you know? <laughs> so anyways... Uh, article also makes sure to point out that J.R. Majewski was present at the United States Capitol during the riot, the false flag riot, on January 6th. Throughout his campaign, Majewski has offered his Air Force service as a valuable credential. A campaign ad posted online Tuesday flashed the words Afghanistan War Veteran across the screen alongside a picture of a younger Majewski in his dress uniform. The tagline, Veteran for Congress, appears on campaign merchandise. He ran a Facebook ad promoting himself as Combat Veteran. And in a campaign video this year, Majewski marauds through a vacant factory with a rifle while pledging to restore an America that is independent and strong. 
like the country I fought for. Um, Majewski said in a 2021 interview um, on One America podcast um, that he does not like to talk about his military experience. And he said that after he volunteered information about having served one tour of duty in Afghanistan. More recently, the House Republican Campaign Committee released a biography that describes Majewski as a veteran whose squadron was one of the first on the ground in Afghanistan after 9-11. But a review of his records, his service records, which the AP obtained from the National Archives and an accounting provided by the Air Force draw that picture into question. Rather than deploying in Afghanistan as he claimed, the words state that Majewski was based at Kadena Air Base in Japan for much of his active duty service. He later deployed for six months to Qatar in May 2002, where he helped load and unload planes while serving as a passenger operations specialist. While he was based in Qatar, Majewski's campaign said he would land at other air bases to transfer military passengers and supplies. They did not respond to a direct question about whether he was ever in Afghanistan. Experts argue Majewski's description of himself as a combat veteran is also misleading. During the Persian Gulf War, countries used as combat support um, areas were designated Pardon me. Countries used as combat support areas were designated for the first time as combat zones, despite the low risk of American service members ever facing hostilities. Qatar was among the many countries that received that designation. Majewski's campaign said that he calls himself a combat veteran because the area he deployed to, Qatar, was a recognized combat zone. Ladies and gentlemen, can you see that they are just picking at words? <clears throat> they're just picking at words. Okay. Uh, this is, this is, this is not like a huge misrepresentation or a huge, uh, breach of, uh, I don't know. How would you call that a breach of, uh, breach of like military, military protocol, you know? And now guys, I'm just being real here. You know, when I, I look at this article about J.R. Majewski and I look at how much trash it is basically, and then I think about um, someone else who actually did lie, you know, um, in, in their whole campaign. And I'm just being real here, guys. But I mean, I'm talking about Habaday from Arizona. I mean, he's an America first campaign. You know, he actually wore his uh, his his uh, um, army stuff, his army fatigues, et cetera, his, his uh, uniform in his campaign ads without putting any type of citation about the army not endorsing him. Now, that's against some type of uh, military protocol he broke, you know? Uh, and, and and then there was the thing with the campaign donations from his brother that he refunded to secure Trump's nomination uh, or his endorsement, I apologize. And then there was uh, him lying about his service uh, in the Middle East and uh, as opposed to uh, the work that he did in the law offices in order to, you know, build up his resume. I mean, come on guys, really? Come on. I mean, if Qatar was designated a combat zone, I wouldn't hold it against him. You know, it's not like he's going out there saying that, you know, his helicopter landed to open fire and they had to run as the bullets were flying past their ears. You know, he didn't say something like that. You know, he didn't pull a, a Hillary Clinton or that. Uh, what was the name of that one? The news reporter, Brian, whatever his name was. 
So it was nothing like that. And it was nothing like what Habaday did either over in Arizona. And, you know, I mean, I don't like to say things that will hurt, harm, or hinder possible progress. But I just, you know, if I smell a snake in the grass, I, I just, I smell like a, I smell like a, a Bernovich stooge with, uh, with a Habaday. I don't know why. I don't know why I do, you know, like maybe someone told Bernovich, this is the guy that's going just make it look pretty. We'll get you in the U S Senate. You know, Blake master stands no chance against you because you did everything against election uh, fraud. Yeah. Bernovich, you kind of failed. We'll have to see how Habaday does. If Habaday does a good job when he makes it, I'll apologize to him live on the air. But uh, I mean, someone should be asking the questions about those known lies. I think it was um, it was either the National Pulse or the Western Journal that her, had originally revealed that information about his candidacy. So anyways, I'm just I'm just comparing oranges to oranges here. No pun intended. Right. And and, and no color revolution illusions either. OK, I'm just comparing oranges to oranges with uh, with uh, Habaday and Majewski, since they're both Trump endorsed pro Trump candidates, you know, and and to me, those are stark contrasts in uh, in the perception of honesty that the media is trying to strip away from J.R. Majewski and his campaign for the U.S. Senate in Ohio. It's ridiculous, guys. It's ridiculous. Um, it says here that uh, there's also the matter of Majewski's final rank and reenlistment code when he left active duty after four years of service. Most who leave the service after four years have notched several promotions that are generally awarded for time served. Majewski exited at a rank that was one of um, that was one notch above where he started. His enlistment code also indicated that he could not sign up with the Air Force again. Majewski's campaign said that he received what is called a non-judicial punishment after a 2001 brawl in a dormitory, which resulted in the demotion. Since gaining traction in his campaign for Congress, he has denied he is a follower of the QAnon conspiracy theory while playing, excuse me, while playing down his participation in the January 6th false flag insurrection. The baseless and apocalyptic QAnon belief. Goodness, these people need to be held accountable. This is the LA Times, guys. So this makes perfect sense. This is the LA Times, okay? So feel free to throw something at the TV screen. Just make sure it's not too heavy because you don't want to crack it, okay? But the LA Times says, the baseless and apocalyptic QAnon belief posits that uh, Trump is fighting entrenched enemies in the government and also involves Satanism and child sex trafficking. You know, how are they going to feel when all this blows out, you know? Uh, Majewski said in a statement to the Associated Press, let me be clear. I denounce QAnon. I do not support Q and I do not subscribe to their conspiracy theories. Take that as you will, ladies and gentlemen. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just see strategy here, obviously. But in the past, Majewski has repeatedly posted QAnon references and memes to social media, wore a QAnon shirt during a TV interview, and has described Zach Payne, a QAnon influencer, as a good friend. I don't even think that um, um, Zach considers himself a QAnon influencer. 
you know, he's he's just sharing news and information, vital information over there. So um, and then here, of course, it, it just starts breaking down into Trump embracing and amplifying QAnon conspiracy theory. We don't need to waste our time on this, guys. It's just the same old rubbish that they're trying to uh, push onto people's um, conscious and unconscious beliefs. It does talk about the uh, January 6th uh, false flag riot uh, where Majewski has said he raised about $25,000 to help dozens of people attend the Stop the Steal rally that preceded the attack on the Capitol. He also traveled to the event with pain. Majewski acknowledged he was outside the Capitol but denies entering the building. On a QAnon live stream a week after the attack, he said he was angry at himself for not going in. Ooh, Majewski's a bad guy. He's going to destroy this nation, right? Man. Well, guys, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, his campaign will be fine. I mean, I I'm not following it too closely, per se, but really, I mean, come on. Like, it let me tell you, you know, it reminds me of like my dad, for example, like I tell people that my dad was in Vietnam <laughs> and it's true. It's true. He, he was in the armed forces. He was in the military during the Vietnam war, but he got deployed to Germany. <laughs> he got deployed to Germany and I had a chance to be born, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that's the way that breaks down. But, uh, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't tell a soldier who fought during the Vietnam War that they did not fight during the Vietnam War just because they were not actually on the battlefield when they were doing other things to support the troops who were on the front lines, you know? I mean, so this is just, you know, a bunch of word nonsense and pickiness on the part of the uh, legacy press. The unfortunate thing is if you're not initiated and savvy to this type of propaganda, you're just going to believe it. And you're going to think that uh, someone like Mr. Majewski is just lying and not good for this nation. Okay. But we've seen uh, the opposite to be true in most instances. And uh, we've seen the harmful ones actually indeed are those who are establishment and in power right now, ladies and gentlemen. Okie dokie, guys, where does that leave us for this evening? I think that is actually going to bring us to a close. Man, though that time went by pretty quick tonight. Well, I hope you guys had as good of a time tonight as I did hanging out here at the Sea Report, uh, talking a few... Uh, election stories, listening to um, a pertinent interview with uh, President Trump, and of course, being united in the congregation that is our unity of spirit for the love of America and the restoration of this republic. It's been a great night hanging out with you guys. Uh, if you have not had enough of my face or my voice, uh, please join me and the bartender in about 20 minutes or so over at the Speak Uneasy channel. Uh, if you are a uh, account holder at pill.net or the foxhole.app, app, you can find uh, the Speak Uneasy's channel uh, on the menu to your uh, left. And uh, if you have a Twitch account, if you are joining us over at, I think that's all, yeah, Twitch. Because we're not on YouTube, we're not on Twitter, we're not on Facebook. 
uh, Bart, uh, the Speak and Easy's channel is also available at, um, at Twitch. I think it might actually be in one of my linked channels on my Twitch uh, page for the C Report. So check that out, guys. Uh, we'll be live in about 20 minutes. We'll just be yucking it up and trying to uh, decompress a little bit uh, after a long day of news and a busy, busy uh, beginning of the week. Okay. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, of course, with another edition of The Sea Report at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, something special we'll be doing afterwards. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to be there. Or maybe I'll, I'll announce it tomorrow uh, during the show. Uh, but we'll be doing another special type of uh, live stream event after The Sea Report in a separate stream. So I'm just giving you guys a heads up in case you are late night owls or in case you want to stay up a little bit later than normal and uh, see what's going on. We all see in the dark over here at Mr. CTV. Alrighty, guys, I'm going to let you guys go so I can get ready for This Is News with the Speak Uneasy. Uh, till then, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a great night. Thank you again for being here. Please follow, like, subscribe on any of the uh, websites, platforms, or apps that you are watching the show. Give it a chance, you know. Um, I broadcast a live stream uh, six, sometimes seven days a week. And uh, putting in the time, guys. Putting in the time. All righty, y'all. Um, I'm going to let you guys go. Away. Be away, my loved ones. We will see you tomorrow. And until then, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. Take care. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say, because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. Woo! <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun. Fashionable. Edgy. Cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu, 
Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.